Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. again, everybody, for another episode of the PBSC Podcast. It's Steve Moore and Mark Castleman here with you today for episode 217. Uh, as you can see, the title is a little bit interesting. It's not a new scenario, but we wanted to take a new approach in terms of how we address some of these things today. We're kind of excited for it. After deeply betraying her, how do I help my partner feel truly chosen again? And uh, this, uh, the question for this comes from a spouse. Uh, that we received a little while ago. We're just going to read uh, the submission briefly slash quickly so we can jump in because there is a lot that we wanted to try to cover in this thing today. So we're going to be ambitious. Uh, hi, Mark and Steve. I want to thank you for making this podcast and continuing to tackle these hard topics in a way that is so relatable for recovering addicts and being compassionate for partners. I really appreciate that. Those are very kind words. Thank you for the thank you for the compliment. Uh, my question relates to sexual intimacy and bringing that back into a relationship that has been crushed by porn and sex addiction. We have been married 15 years and have two kids. My husband has been acting out the entire relationship in many ways, and we have a few small discoveries. We've had a few small discoveries over the years, but completed the full disclosure process over the last year. He has been working hard in recovery, has some sobriety, and is saying and doing all the right things. I am also working on my healing and recovery and have seen a lot of personal growth. That said, we have been trying to navigate bringing physical intimacy back into our relationship, and it has been a challenge. My biggest struggle is believing that he actually wants to be with me, is attracted to me, for me, and not because I happen to be a female living in his house and he doesn't have any other sexual outlets. I feel like I want physical intimacy to be organic, so when he asks or says something about being attracted to me, I worry it is because he has been thinking about sex or fantasy of others. I feel like he is only interested in me because I am what's available. I know he is choosing our marriage and family over porn and other women, but intimately, is it actually me he is choosing? In the past, I knew it was not me he was interested in. It was the idea of acting out and being in his fantasies. I know that he was not actually with me when we were together and he was in his addiction. How do I accept that his interest or attraction is real? How do I believe he is choosing me out of anything but convenience? Is there anything he can do differently? Thank you for reading and considering 
providing us with some answers. Mm. You know, as we jump into this topic right now, before we even say anything else, we probably ought to just acknowledge the the obvious. There's a lot to cover today, but that's not going to be any good to do if we don't uh, recognize the reality here. I mean, it is always, even though this is common for Mark and I, it never gets easy to hear about a partner's struggle to feel chosen in the most intimate of moments, you know, in a relationship. Um, of all the things that a partner or anybody, for that matter, ought to be thinking about when they're being physically intimate with their with their partner, with their lover is, is he thinking about me or is she thinking about me? Right. Is he, is he or she present? Mm. Are they choosing me or am I, or am I being used as a medium for something else? And so we just applaud all of you partners who are here and willing to even entertain this because we know that for many of you that trauma runs deep and is ironclad and says he's never going to choose me again. We hear that fear in this partner's voice. And so as we go through this, we we appreciate the openness to new ideas and hope that some of this will resonate for you guys, for you ladies that are listening. Yeah. And we, we know how hard it is. And quite frankly, um, uh, I mean, I'm just going to use words unfair. Uh, it's not, there's not a real sense of justice in it. The fact that two two recovering addicts who have betrayed their spouses in the past are sitting on a podcast and now we're going we're gonna to jump into all the things partners can be doing. There's something in it that just sounds outrageous to me. Yeah. And I'm kind of having to push it aside to go, okay, let's talk about what these partners can do. We, we just want you to know that the reason that we talk about this is we always say, you come from, in, in betrayal, you come from such a place where you feel like you don't have any power, you don't have a voice, there's so many things that you, that you don't have. And as we talk about things that you can be doing going forward, it's about empowering you. It's about putting you into a place where you are speaking your truth, where you are, you are standing your ground. You're holding boundaries, right? You're working on your forward and upward progress. So it's, it's always important for us to, to just state that again. Absolutely. Now we, we love and appreciate all these, all you partners who are here and willing to go through this with us. So thank you for being here. Okay. Well, as we look at this, let's, let's dial in on her question specifically, right? This is what she says. And then we'll, we'll, we'll go through this fairly quickly. And then we're going to jump straight into the majority of the podcast, focusing on, on the addict and some things for him to be able to start working on doing. So uh, this is her specific question. How do I accept that his interest or attraction is real? And then it's actually technically too. How do I believe he is choosing me out of anything but convenience? And there are a lot of things uh, that go into this, right? And and we're just, again, going to cover this very briefly because this isn't the main subject for today we wanted to focus on because uh, we do talk about this a lot in a lot of other podcasts. But uh, the first thing that we definitely wanted to mention is, is uh, you know, you want to start with, I guess, the lowest hanging fruit first. Try focusing on immersing you yourself and your partner, right, when you guys do things together in activities that are new and different experiences that also create opportunities for you to have different memories and for him to be able to show up and love out in the love out is a term that we we've coined that we use in our program. We're going to talk about that here in just a couple of minutes with the guys, but help that help him to love out in the relationship. Um, as we, uh, as, as you guys navigate this new quote unquote, no marriage 2.0, that could be new dates. It could be new hobbies, could be new experiences, new adventures. And that isn't to say, and we know that you can't just cut out everything you did in your old life or stuff pre-recovery, nor should you, right? It's not about uh, getting rid of all those things that were hard or difficult because those, those still need to be navigated. 
But it is important that you're integrating into that emotional diet, right? An opportunity to create new, different memories, create new neural pathways, create that as a stomp, uh, you know, a beginning base to kind of expand out from that can help your brain to see that, yeah, things could be different. Because it's so easy for it to just kind of feel bogged down, slogged down where we're just, it's groundhog day over and over and over in the relationship, which just seems like we never come out of this dark place. Mm-hmm. And it is important to, to, con- to really mindfully consider creating new activities, new memories, you know, new interactions with, with each other so that it's not just all triggering stuff. Yeah, that's a, that's a really important point. There's another one that you brought up, Steve, as we prepared for today that I, I see, I, it's understandable. I see a lot of it. I work, uh, we both work with partners who we talk about them having their own outside support system. And sometimes those outside support systems, by the very nature of what this is, can become uh, pretty heavy. Can where where there there are partners who are in uh, support groups. Too often, their their uh, partners in addiction recovery are not doing their work sufficiently. Sometimes not at all. You'll hear about uh, really difficult scenarios and then ultimate divorce in these groups. And sometimes they can really become downers, so to speak. Yeah. And I know from my experience, uh, you know, from, from betrayals in my early life, when I would get with support groups, boy, we just, we, we really, we found a place to finally be, be heard, but, but we would do, it, it could easily go overboard where that's all we talked about was the past pain, but there wasn't any discussion about how to go forward, how to really engage in a true healing process. And so we, we encourage always partners. It's fine to be in a group where you do speak your truth and talk about pain, but do you also, are you also having the opportunity to engage with people where they're working it and it's working, they're succeeding, they're having success. Partners are staying together, right? We, we, we're kind of like, you know, Find those those winners, so to speak, get their mentoring and support and and then stick with them. So that's that's another thing that's really important. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, can't overemphasize that part. Also, and this one, this is where uh, we look to partners to really take things proactive on their side of the street um, in in their relationship with their, with their addict partner. Now we understand that there are safety concerns with this and every relationship is a little bit different, but especially if you find yourself in a situation like this relationship where there's some sobriety going on, you're both heavily invested in the process. You know, they've gone through a year long disclosure process, right? There's a lot of good things happening, a lot of good to build off of Um, being as, so as it's safe to do so getting very clear and active in both exploring and then expressing your needs in terms of what feeling wanted or chosen looks like for you. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where we get into a little bit of, of love languages. Uh, we, we talk about this often in Dare to Connect, you know, one of the, the best blessings, but worst curses of a relation, a marital relationship is that you know each other better than anybody. And that can be really, really helpful in lots of ways and really hard in lots of ways. And one of the ways in which that can be difficult is once we, we, we get to know someone to that level, it's easy for us to just kind of shove that into the subconscious and just say, oh, well, I know what they need. I know what they want. Or the, the reality is, the side of that coin is uh, he or she should know what I want or what yeah, I need. I shouldn't exactly. have to say it. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and that mind reading element, that being the expert on the other person always gets in the way of this process. And that would be true with any relationship, right? Even a healthy one. People's needs and wants and what resonates for them varies over time, right? It changes. Um, when you're dealing with a relationship that's in, in, in the active flux of recovery, mm. uh, those needs and wants are changing really quickly. Yeah. So being proactive and expressing, hey, when things when things really I actually did this with Brittany a little bit just the other day. We're working on 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 a variety of different things as we uh prepare for for a new stage of life of hopefully becoming parents here soon and some other things. And as we've been working on those things, both of us have been trying to make an effort to say, "Hey, the way that you did that, that makes me feel less anxious about this possible process of having kids." You know, cuz both of us have some fears with it. We're both, I'm, I'm in my 40s, Brittany's in her late 30s. You know, we're kind of used to doing our own show. The thought of adding someone to this mix is a little bit terrifying. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that those are the kind of things that any coupleship needs to be doing, right? We need to be expressing both, hey, that what you're doing is working for me, but also on the flip side, if there are things that are not, finding a way to lovingly express that. Hey, I really appreciate the effort by, behind this, but that's just really triggering for me. That just doesn't speak to me in the way I think I'm needing right now. And being able to be each other's loving guide in that is really critical. And we're going to talk uh, here in a a few minutes about what it takes, for example, for an addict in recovery to be able to hear his partner express such raw, authentic things. It was very hard for me when my wife started to speak her truth, for me not to go defensive, stoic, shut down, get angry, get reactive. So we'll talk about that. Another extension of this, also this speaking your needs clearly and and expressing what it means to be you know chosen and wanted. Uh, her specific question, his partner wrote in uh, with regard to their physical intimacy. Yeah. How do you handle that? Well, this 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 speaking truth and authenticity comes right into that physical intimacy place. Um, for example, uh, one of the things was enormously difficult but super important for me. Was the, was the place if, if my wife and I were being physically intimate and she, this is when I was well into recovery, and she would notice something that was old history, an old habit of Mark's, where she could see that I wasn't fully present with her. She could see that I was kind of skirting the line on pushing for some kind of behavior that she wasn't comfortable with. Uh, something that appeared to be more of Mark's old addict self was starting to creep in. And just having given permission to each other to gently but firmly push the pause button right then to stop and to openly talk about it. Yeah. Now, I will tell you that for an addict, that is crazy reactive territory. That did not go well uh, before I had the skills and had done my personal work and really progressed on my recovery path. If she were to, to have stopped sex right in the quote heat of the moment and done that, it would not have gone well, but that is an essential part of this getting to that space. No, I I love what you're saying. And that is the kind of stuff that we're talking about, right? Even in those moments where we would think, Oh, I'll just let this sit. You can't afford to as much as safety allows in the relationship and even pushing into that in in an uncomfortable, but healthy way uh, requires, we need to be having those conversations in real time, wherever possible. Right, so that we can relearn these new patterns and these new ways of doing things. Um, a huge part of the skill set. 
And then the last thing around that, and and again, we have lots of podcasts on this, so we're not going to flesh this out today, is being being really good at proactively setting and holding boundaries that are reflective of what your needs are as a partner. Um, Whatever those are, vocalizing those, finding your voice around them, speaking your truth around them, whether that's through email, uh, writing it out, uh, discussions in in daily check-ins, learning those skill sets in D2C, daretoconnectnow.com. We'd love to have you come and grab a two-week free trial. Please come on over Um, wherever you get it, (laughs) right? That would be a great thing to do. So, Well, and especially if a partner is starting to feel, you know, sufficiently safe to express her needs and how she feels chosen, and what she needs from her partner to feel chosen, when that's not happening, has she pre-established healthy boundaries around that, that she will not just go along to get along, or shut down, or 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 rage and get angry? She'll just simply hold boundaries, healthy boundaries, around what she has expressed she needs to be chosen. And if that isn't happening, she will hold her boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we're going to shift gears now because uh, these podcasts, they go quick and we're going to be moving through this really fast as well. So brace yourselves, take some notes, go back and listen again if you need to. Um, or the other option is come get that in-depth help at daretoconnectnow.com. We'd love to have you come join us. <laughs> Look at that. Two plugs in like 30 seconds. Some of you are going to hate me, but that's okay. It is what it is. <laughs> um, so let's talk about guidance for the addict, right? Is there anything that he can do differently? And the answer to that is a resounding yes. That's the question she asked, right? Um, and there's this, this beginning park, Mark, Mark is actually really good about talking about this. The, the grand setup, uh, that we addicts struggle with around in terms of various attitudes and things, be it around sex or otherwise. Um, I'm going to let Mark talk about that for just a second before I jump into a few things. Oh man. So, and, and guys, all the guys listening, I know that this can be hard to hear. So I just want you to know, I have compassion for all of you because this was Crazy hard. I first of all, I rejected it outright for many years. But here's what I here's what I had to decide that I was willing uh, and open to accepting as my part in the relationship with my with my spouse. I was I was raised in the pornography production capital of the world, San Fernando Valley, California, just outside LA. I cannot begin to tell you the saturated, sexualized culture that I grew up in from the youngest age I can remember. Mm-hmm. My brain was filled with so many stereotypes, attitudes, uh, behaviors, habits surrounding human sexuality that it was, I call it sex miseducation, um, you know, from pornography, from the culture, from my peers, from the media living right there near Hollywood, all of it created one big giant sexual attitude, stereotyped mess that I brought mm-hmm. into marriage. I had to come to grips with the fact that that's what I brought to the relationship and be willing to, to have my eyes wide open about various things that I needed. I needed to decide to notice and challenge and stand up to inside my old paradigms. And there was yeah. a lot objectifications, how I saw my wife, the, the, the female servicing the male, the right sex. If you're having the urge, you know, you just go and engage in it. I mean, the be all end all in the relationship, the gauging how the rest of your relationship's doing by how great the sex is. I mean, I, that's just, that's just a a few of a hundred different things that I brought into the relationship. Guys, we can't fix what we can't see. 
we can't correct what we're not willing and open to bring out into the spotlight to say, you know what, this really isn't healthy. I'd like to adjust this. So that's the first thing that I would throw out to the guys listening. I love that. Well, and and in 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 with that, we won't send, say too much about this because again, time is short. But and we talk about this all the time. I mean, we just we just emphasized and did a huge spiel on this and dare to connect the, the last week. Uh, we it cannot be emphasized enough. Support system, support system, support system. Okay? Mm, yes, you, you have to have an outside support mentoring system. I think I got. A little irreverent. It was either in Dare to Connect or on here in our last podcast a couple of times ago. I'm going to do it again. We don't do many. I am not an ultimatum guy in this process, but I'm just going to tell you right now: if you don't have a support system, you're doing this process wrong. Period. That there are very few edicts like that that we would ever issue because everyone's system is so unique. Guys do not get better. You do not get better from an attachment disorder staying unattached. Okay, it's impossible. And you don't, you don't get better continuing to rattle around in your brain and bounce all this stuff off yourself. No. What do, what do we say in, in recovery? Our best thinking got us in these recovery chairs. Exactly. Right. You've got to get outside. I, I couldn't go to myself or the people or, or, or systems that mentored me in my destructive sexual paradigms. I had to go to healthy people who had navigated where I had been and were actually living with healthy sexual sexual attitudes and behaviors. I had to bounce stuff off of them. Hey, sure. does this sound right or normal to you? No, dude, I hear where you're coming from. I used to be there, but let me tell you where I've really uh, evolved to. I had to have that system to engage with because my system was a closed, messed up system that I had to quit relying on. For sure. And the other thing that we would say about that, again, just briefly, is there are ways in which your partner cannot and should not be your support system. That's correct. Okay. Or not only because your healing won't allow for it, but also because you need to allow her to do healing. Yeah. Okay. You need to, and, and I am speaking as a former emotional leech, stop leeching off of your partner. If you're doing that, um, we're two recovering leeches telling you to not be leeches. We, well, we know what it's like to not want to share. We know what it's like to not want to open up to guys. We want to know, as I said to our D2C group the other day, a little bit irreverently, I stuck out my hand in a handshake motion. I said, welcome to recovery. I'm Steve. Because that is part of the cost of this process is getting uncomfortable. Okay. And the, um, and the, and, and the, and the thing is, Steve, when I was relying on my wife as my support system, I could not trust myself yeah. to, to her without gaslighting coming into the picture, without manipulation, without all of my old habitual tendencies, I just couldn't guarantee that I was going to be free of those going to her. Well, it, I agree with that. going to happen. Well, and, and, to, and to add to that, let's say in theory that a guy could do that, which I would agree with you is like trying to shoot the moon with a twenty-two rifle. But if you could somehow pull that off, even if you could, Again, in a lot of ways, you she can't be that for you. She's not supposed to be. Guys, we need to we need to be cognizant in a loving, non-shame way. She got where she was because of us. It is not her job to fix you. Right. She's your partner. She's your wife. She's not your counselor. She's not your therapist. She's not supposed to be. She's not your Get, accountability partner. She's exactly. Sponsor. Get a support system. She's not supposed to be the one running the show with your with your filtering software, it's time to, again, we know it's uncomfortable. We know it's terrifying. We know it feels downright unsafe. Get creative and find a system. 
Here I am saying we're not going to spend much time on it, and we're totally diatribing on it. So <laughs> well, we're going to so, move on. But again, we will just we will just end it where we started. If you don't have one, your recovery program process is off. Okay, yeah, get one for sure. Having right. said that, there's another critical part of this that took me a long time to be willing to open myself to, whether or not I was truly choosing my partner in various situations and circumstances had everything to do with what I was doing or not doing prior to that moment of choosing. What do I mean by this? If you're going to truly choose your partner, guys, I mean sincerely from, from, from the place of your heart and true intention and integrity, you're going to choose her. That process of choosing starts before you get into that real life situation to do the choosing. What do I mean by that? What did you do this morning with regard to your daily routine, your self-care, your spiritual, emotional, and mental connection? How do you prepare yourself through the hard individual work? How do you prepare yourselves to be able to truly choose your partner in any given moment? If you don't do the work before you get to that moment of choosing, your chance of success is really, really diminished. Absolutely. For me, I, ha I would have to say it was, it was practically impossible. Yes. If Mark hadn't done his individual work, he was not going to show up in a situation with his wife to truly, truly choose her. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's, for me, what that speaks to is, is really seeing your partner. That's the question I would throw out to each of you. I'm, this is a, this is a topic that's bubbling in my brain for a D2C episode soon. I know we, a lot of our D2C subscribers are listening to this too. So, um, when was the last time you really saw your partner? Mm. We talked about this briefly a couple of weeks ago, but it's been still bouncing around in my, it's like a bee in my bonnet. So we're probably going to do some more in-depth work in D2C on it. But when was the last time you really saw your partner? Yeah, Mark and I have both put in a tremendous amount of effort into this and we don't pretend to be perfect at it, but I am so grateful that I've been able to develop out a skill set. When I... When I think about Brittany, I could go on for 15 minutes about the amazing qualities Brittany brings into my life, into our house, into the grace that she has, the poise that she carries, the patience she exhibits, the love that she shares. The, I mean, Brittany has taught me more about those qualities than Sunday school, family, friends, any of them ever did. And I love all those things. They don't hold a candle to what my marriage has done that way because she has, I mean, the way that she carries herself, her confidence, her willingness to see hard things, her quirky sense of humor. I mean, all of those things. I haven't even gotten to how hot she is and she's crazy hot. Well, I was like, going to say, did, do you all heard Steve's big giant description? Did you notice what was not mentioned at all? None of her physical attributes nor anything about sex. Not a single word. Till the end, but yes. Till the very end. And I can honestly tell you that that's not the first thing that comes to mind. But again, that took, that took a lot of work. I wish I could sit here and tell you like Steve's just some Don Juan. That's not how my attic brain used to work. No. That's not how Mark's attic brain used to work. Mm -hmm. He feels the same way about LaDon. And, and we have conversations about that often, guys. So what Mark is saying is true. If, you, if you're waiting to practice that until then, you're doing it wrong. This, this involves daily gratitude lists, sitting down and writing your wife notes. We practice expressing those things in situations where things are just safe and normal. Right. And oftentimes an appreciation from that comes from your own vulnerability. Um, gosh, I wish I had time to tell a story right now. I don't get into D2C. We can tell you cool stories. 
But there was a time just last week where Brittany once again confirmed for me just how her capacity to love and embrace me when I'm feeling weak is just incredible. But it only happened and it was only re-expressed because I, what did I do first? I got vulnerable with her and essentially told her in not so many words, can you help me understand why I'm a good man today? Because today I just don't feel like one. Emotionally, mm -hmm. like intellectually, I know I am, but emotionally, it's just not rocking for me today. Well, and and I'm going to say this is kind of some advanced uh, some advanced stuff here, guys. But if you want to really choose your partner and have her feel chosen because she can read the integrity of your soul, you need to be choosing her when you're not with her. Totally, you're out in a public space, and she's not there to police you or or do, be to play detective. Are you choosing her then? Are you totally. choosing her in all those in all those situations? Are you choosing her when you're having your your spiritual connection time or or journaling time? Are you writing about how grateful you are for her? Are you in my faith tradition? I have I have conversations with my higher power about her long mm -hmm. before I have yeah. a conversation with her, right? Mm -hmm. So all this choosing is much bigger than we ever imagined. It's not just in the in a particular moment with a partner. Steve, you used a great term. You used it earlier in this podcast, but people may have missed it because it sounds a little strange if you don't know the context of it. We talk all the time about guys leading out, leading out, being proactive, not waiting to be asked or caught or anything else. You lead out, you lean in, and you developed an even more advanced version, Steve. You said loving out, not just leading out, but loving out, leading out with love being proactive, anticipating situations that I know are going to be difficult for my spouse when I know she she likely will feel like she's not chosen. And in advance, I prepare myself for those. I see them coming. And I, I say, you know what? I'll bet you in this public setting, she's going to look at old history and she's not going to feel chosen. I'm going to prepare for that. My I'm gosh, if I was my wife going into this, what would that be like for me? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Ask, asking yourself those things, expressing those things to her. Yeah. Right. Sometimes guys, the most loving thing that you can do, here's just a little word from the wise who learned it all the wrong way. So you don't have to. Sometimes with a spouse, I can tell you from experience that the most healing thing for a partner there is just that statement alone. He's seeing the pain that I'm going to be going through today. Yeah. That is what creates that. That is what helps her <laughs> to feel chosen because what's allowing you to choose her is, is seeing her wounds. Love is about embracing a person, all of them, including their wounds, including their scars, including including the hurts, the hard stuff, right? We have not been taught that, and our culture sucks at teaching it. So we <laughs> have to we have to find places to do that. Dare to connect now.com. Come and join us. <laughs> well, and 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 I appreciate Steve's rawness in that. This is about the proactive part, not just leading out, but but loving out, leading out with love. Seeing her, anticipating her needs, going the extra mile, right? You, you said something, Steve, before we started, right? We, 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 we invest in what we truly care about. We value what we invest in. And I know all the guys listening truly do value your relationship with your partners. If you're listening to this, you value it. I guarantee you're listening, you to some right? I know, and and we we feel much more deeply than we're able to express. 
And so I know those feelings are there, but guys, we've got to get to the place where it's not just feelings buried deep down. We start to bring them up and express them. And more than express them, we start to act on them. We start to do, and we start to, we start to allow our partners to not just hear our words that we choose them, but to see our actions that we choose them. And not just waiting for them to remind us or put pressure on us or whatever else. We're, 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 we're leading out and, leading and loving out in doing these things of our own free will and choice. Right? It's, it's a whole mindset, guys, and it takes time to get there. Believe us. We, we work, Steve and I work on it every day. There's, Still. Ad, there's my attic parts that want to go back to mark the passive, wait for somebody to tell you, remind you, do the minimum. And I have to call it into check and go back to leading out and leading out with love and choosing, proactively choosing my partner. I have to work at it. Absolutely. Yeah. If you would like to uh, have something submitted to the podcast and have it addressed briefly on here, you can also visit us at pbscpodcast.com. You can also, we sh- we're going to keep announcing this. There is also a way, Mark, right? If you click on the blog section on pbscpodcast.com, if you are looking for answers to questions, we this podcast now has four over 200, this is episode 217. We have 217 hours, or I guess it's like technically like 100 and, a half hour, yeah. 110 hours of content, free content on every topic under the sun with recovery. You can search that blog for those recovery topics. So feel free to do that before you send us a question or you're always welcome to reach out to us at the contact form at the bottom. Yeah. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for uh, participating in our passion. <laughs> we get passionate because we care about all you. Uh, Absolutely. We care about partners. We care about you guys. Uh, Mark keeps me in line, guys. He he, yeah, he, 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 he helps me toe the line. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just know that our passion is deeply caring because we don't want you to have to go through like what we did for decades. So Please don't. So, so glad you're here. We'll, uh, we will pick things back up on our nep- next episode with PBSE and hopefully with uh, some of you in uh, Dare to Connect. Sounds good. Everything expressed on the PBSE podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.